Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. We're continuing our series, It Gets. All right, so Nathan, where are you? Bring that up to me. Yep, with some hustle. There we go. All right, check it out. Look at this. Fax paper rolls. Who wants one, huh? Who's in need, right? Anybody ever remember these or use these? I bet my dad, you use these at work, I imagine, right? Way back. Some are like, there was rolls for faxes? Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, I remember there's this scene in the movie back in like the 70s, and they're talking about faxes, and they're like, oh, man, it's amazing. Only takes 24 minutes a page. I remember even five years ago, I'd be like, can I scan it and send it to you? And they're like, no, it has to be a fax. Anybody here still deal with a company? They're like, you have to fax it in. I think the IRS is still doing that, aren't they? Just, no, you got to fax it. Fax it? Why don't I just telegraph it over to you? Like, what's the, come on, update here, guys. It's funny, but it, there was a time where this was the most amazing thing on earth. It was fast. It was effective in comparison, okay? Now it's like, if it's not if you don't have it in 30 seconds, like update your email, update, come on, how is it not coming through yet? So, something's wrong. Google, it's the FBI. You know, like, <laughs> it's just weird now. It's, it's so, like, spe- uh, the speed of light, whereas this was, like, the pinnacle at one point in time, and we couldn't possibly foresee it getting any better, it going any faster. This was... We have arrived. This is the end of humanity. It cannot get any better than this. Anybody here still have a dedicated fax line? You may not want to raise your hand, but, (laughs) right? Anybody here ever accidentally dial the fax line? Oh, man, that's the worst. (laughs) It's just the worst. And, And yet, eventually, we've all moved past it, right? Email it, scan it, take a screenshot and just send it over, right? Or, or not even that. You can just sign it online and, 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 and submit it, and then it's done, right? I think we were able to do that for a mortgage now. Am I right? Like, you do this for, do you have to come to the office anymore and sit through three hours of signing papers, right? Do you even have to do that? It's been a little while since I bought a house. Nope, you can just do it all from home, right? All right, just scan your forehead and it's ready to go. I'm just, that's a joke. If, if you're not a Christian, you won't understand it. Um, <laughs> like, it's just the day and the time we live in where we would think it can't change, it can't get any better. And yet, it does. Now, some of these things have not always made us better. We know that. But it gets better, though. And we know life with Jesus always gets better. Not always easier. Sometimes harder, but it's better. Okay, so this past 
past few months, um, uh, I, I've been in the gym a lot. And you're like, really? I have been. Um, <laughs> I am on an uphill climb against genetics, okay? Uh, I come from a land of obese leprechauns, but <laughs> I am I am I am fighting. And but the, I went I went this past a couple days ago with a friend who he's he was my size, worked his way down to what he is. Some of you guys at the men's retreat will remember him. His name's Jeremy Steck, ripped guy. He was my size, and over a few years he worked himself to where he is now, and he, he looks ripped. And and I went to the gym. Now he has sent me some workouts, and. I am doing those workouts now, so five days a week or so, I am doing these massive weightlifting sets and doing some core in between, some cardio at the beginning, and, and we're doing it, and about two, a third of the way through, he's like, man, you're killing me. This is killing me, and I'm like, what are you talking about? These are your workouts. You sent this to me. He's like, I haven't done that in like two years, man. <laughs> I'm just maintaining. This is, you're killing me. And I was like, well, that makes me feel kind of good because you look way better than I do. And, uh, and I'm doing way better than you are in this moment. Uh, and he listens like every Monday, so I'm kind of picking on him. That being said, he already did this work. He doesn't have to do it again. But it reminds me, like, if I, if I continue, you keep going. You don't, it gets, right? Things get better. There was a guy in the New Testament before. Right before Pentecost, next week I believe is Pentecost Sunday, and, and we'll talk about that next week outside, and it's going to be crazy. We're going to scream and wave in the aisles. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you need to, uh, we'll be outside, so we'll just blame it on somebody else. But, but, um, but this week, there was something right before, between Jesus' ascension, between Jesus going up into heaven, they go to the upper room, and before the Holy, Holy Spirit like pours out on Pentecost. Anybody know what happened? You can say it out loud. We're, we're not that big. They replaced Judas with a guy named Matthias. So if you don't know, Jesus had 12 disciples, 12 followers, okay? He had thousands that followed him around, okay? He had about 120 that followed him real closely. And then he had about 12 that were his boys, and three that were his best friends, and one that was his closest brother, okay? Now, out of those 12, Jesus handpicked those 12 out, and only 11 out of the 12 made it. Really, at the cross, only one was there. But that continued to be disciples, 11 out of 12. One completely sold Jesus out, realizing he sold the Son of God, he hung himself, and he died. It ends badly for Judas. And this one guy, just quick reminder, if you're a leader of anything, even Jesus didn't have 100%, you know. <laughs> we have a choice to say no to God. Okay, sorry Calvinists. Okay, so, so, there's this story of Matthias. And I think it's such a cool story. And I've actually, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone preach on it. So I'm kind of excited to preach this message. And you're like, I'm not. Well, that's okay. Hang out anyway. All right, so Acts chapter 1. The apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Now we're going to skip down to verse 20. Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms, where it says, let his home become desolate. 
with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were there traveling with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us, whoever's chosen will serve as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. And they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart, so which of these men you've chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he's deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. So interesting story, just interesting side note. So what they did is they cast lots. Basically, they cast votes. Now, it's very similar to, uh, we are modeled after that, our, our governance model. Okay, just a few weeks ago, we voted in John Greenham, but we prayed into that and said, this is not a vote, but an appointment. And it was a moment like that saying, God, you take this over. You lead this out. Let it not be a popularity contest. Let it, let it, not, be, let it not be something where, oh, they give the most or whatever. Just your person for the job. And they cast lots and they put in this guy, Matthias. Now, here's what's cool about Matthias, okay? Judas was a guy who should have been with Jesus the whole time. But from day one, he was stealing from Jesus. More than once, if you read through the, read through the Gospels, you're going to see Judas kind of call Jesus out. Saying, hey, no, we should give that money to the poor. There's a matter of fact, there's two people in the Bible who said sell, everything, sell it and give it to the poor. One was Jesus and one was Judas. Always be careful when you're accusing somebody of how they should or shouldn't be giving. Because you may not be being like Jesus, you might be being like Judas. Don't measure other people's hearts by what they do or don't give. It's between them and the Lord. Okay? Okay, but they vote in a guy named Matthias. Now here's what's interesting about Matthias. Matthias is a twist on the name Matthew. It's a derivative of Matthew. Now, we don't know what kind of guy Matthias was, but who's Matthew? Matthew was the tax collector turned into a disciple. A betrayer turned into the betrothed. Judas was the betrothed who turned into the betrayed, so Jesus steps in again and makes another Matthias, another Matthew type, from the betrayed into the betrothed. God always makes up for our lack. God always fills in the spots that we need, we need filled. God always comes through. And here's what Judas didn't understand. And we talked about this a little before, but we're going to talk about it a little differently today. God is always about to do something when no one knows. Judas didn't have a clue. He didn't see what Jesus was doing. Now, none of the disciples really got it, right? If they really got it, they would have gone to the cross with him. None of them really got it, but they understood, well, you're the Messiah. You're the one. They just didn't understand what it looked like, okay? But Judas was the one who was like, you're a joke. This is a joke. I'm wasting my time. I want my money back. 
There was a church I worked at years ago. They would put in their bulletin every week, we challenge you to tithe to the church 10%, and if after three months you don't see uh, God pouring blessing out on you, we'll give all your money back. And they'd be like, uh, you know, uh, and, and nobody ever asked to give their money back. And it was kind of neat, but it was also kind of like, I don't know if I want to give anybody the opportunity to be Judas. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's, let's not afford them that opportunity. <laughs> That's probably a bad idea. <laughs> Judas was that guy. He's like, I don't see it. Jesus is moving right in front of you. I don't see it. We have to watch our critical, cynical hearts. Because God is always about to do something, but most of us don't know it. Most of us are completely unaware that God is about to do something. We are, we can always, if we're true disciples, we get the idea that God is on the move. And that God can do anything at any time. But most of us don't know what he's about to do or how. You know what the greatest enemy of the, greatest, of the next move of God is? Two things. Put it up on the screen, Paul. One, the last move of God is the greatest enemy of the next move of God. And two, expectations. Maybe it should say false expectations. Let's talk, you can leave it up for a minute. Okay, the last move of God is the greatest enemy of the next move of God. Anybody here see Jesus' Revolution? Great movie, awesome. You know how many people resisted that move? Do you know how many people across this country, when hippies started coming to Jesus by the droves because they realized this free sex, drugs, and rock and roll doesn't satisfy? It's not enough. It leaves you empty. So when they came to Jesus, you know what happened with a bunch of churches? They kicked him out. They said, wash your, wash your feet, put on some shoes, cut your hair, and then come back. But that's not how it works. I, what's amazing to me is people are like, oh, you know what, we'll baptize you when you got your life together. Like, what? Show me that in the Bible. Now look, hey, I'm not going to put you on the board, <laughs> all right? If you're like, well, I'm kind of struggling with some sin right now of this and that and the other. Well, I'm not going to make you a worship leader, okay, but we'll baptize you and walk with you. Come on, let's go. Welcome home. I'm not going to put you in charge of the family, but I'm going to welcome you into it. The last move of God is always the enemy, and it's true in our lives, too. Well, God came through for me this way last time. He may not. God does some, he's the same, but he's also eternal. So even though he doesn't change, he could do things different. Well, how's that possible, Pastor Brian? God doesn't change. Right, he doesn't change, but he's also eternal. So don't begin to think we've understood him and what he can and can't do or what he will and what he won't do. We often do that. Judas was that guy. Judas was the guy who said, this is how the Messiah comes. He comes to raise up an army and overthrow Rome. Just like he did with David. Just like he did with Moses and the Egyptians. That's what God does. I guarantee you that's what Judas was somewhat thinking. This guy's not the Messiah. We're not going to war. What's the problem? He had an expectation of the last move of God. A lot of people in this room, you don't know it, 
But you and I, we are recipients of the most recent move of God, a thing called the relevant movement. I'm writing a whole book on it. I'm like three quarters of the way done. The last move of God was the relevant movement. The relevant movement in Christianity was, you know what? Let's stop looking and smelling like old, boring church. Let's play music that we like. Let's talk in a way that people can understand. Let's say, let's not let all the blue hairs run everything. You know, just things like that. Be relevant to the culture. And, and, and there was a lot of pushback on that move of God. We grew up, Chase and I grew up in the time where Christian metal was of the devil. I was like, man, the devil should work harder. <laughs> like, it's so weird. Like, that's wrong. That's evil. We can't wear that. We can't look like, no, long hair is of the devil. And it was like, oh, what? It was weird. It was because the last move of God was different. But this relevant movement of God where all these things, we adapted. The problem with any next move of God is the last move of God. And when the last move of God ends, the people of God have to be aware of it enough to say we've got to stop because it, we're, we're no longer with the Holy Spirit and we be, our methodology becomes our theology. So we become half, we have to have lights. We have to have cool sound. We have to have things entertain me on Sunday morning. We have to have a lot of people. We have to have these things. And it's a lie from the pit of hell that says we've got to keep writing this... We have, to, we have to have political favor. We have, no, we don't. We have to have Jesus and the gospel and nothing else. If we've got him, it's going to be all right. God's going to move. That move of God, the relevant movement, is over, and it's an enemy to the next move of God because it says we have to adapt to this culture in this moment. This culture's not with us. We don't have common ground anymore. No, let me rephrase that. This culture is not with Jesus and the Bible. And we love them, but we don't love their ways. Jesus didn't befriend sinners to be like them. He befriended sinners to see them changed. All right. Number two, expectations. We have expectations that God's going to do it this way. We have expectations like, God, you've, you won't let that happen to me. God would never let me go through that. Big fallacy in Christianity. God will never give me more than I can bear. It's in the Bible. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. It says he won't let you be tempted with sin beyond what you could bear. Not, you, the Bible's filled with things and people getting more than they could bear. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, this is more than I can bear. But he did it. Paul was saying, I, I wouldn't mind dying. I wouldn't mind going to heaven. This is too much. Those are the moments when we, become, we can become unaware of what God's going to do next. We don't have to have a detail of what God does next, but we do have to have an expectation that God's coming. 
I've got to change that in my life continually, regularly. I've got to check myself, be expectant of God moving. Be hungry. Be hopeful. God is on the move. We have expectations. Judas had expectations of what God should do, when and how God should do it. Drop them. Judas, in one sense, I want to say this right because I don't want to be heretical, okay? In one sense, maybe Judas knew a little more what was going on than the disciples because he knew, I think this is about to go down and it's not going to go down well. He was correct on that, but he wasn't correct on the long term. Judas knew what they were, Judas maybe have an inkling of what they were about to face, and he was not willing to face it. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. Sometimes knowledge will lead us to sin and make us run from the Lord. Makes us want to quit. Makes us want to say, God, it's too hard. This is going to be painful. It hurts. With that in mind, this clip is a good moment for that. You know, living with you, it hasn't been easy. People see me, but they think of you. Now with all this going on, this is going to be worse than ever. It don't have to be. No, sure it does. Why? You got a lot going on, kid. Oh, what, my last name? That's the reason I got a decent job. That's the reason why people deal with me in the first place. Now I start to get a little ahead. I start to get a little something for myself. And this happens. Now I'm asking you as a favor not to go through with this, okay? This is only going to end up bad for you, and it's going to end up bad for me. You think I'm hurting you? Yeah, in a way you are. That's the last thing I ever wanted to do. I know that's not what you want to do, but that's just the way that it is. Don't you care what people think? Doesn't it bother you that, that people are making you out to be a joke and that I'm going to be included in that? Do you think that's right? Do you? You ain't going to believe this. But you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching every day. It was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.
I'm always gonna love you no matter what. No matter what happens. You're my son, you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't gonna have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. That's for you, buddy. We get back up. Not because we win and we don't keep moving forward on our faith because it's all going our way, but because we know God's going to do something. Because God doesn't fail even when we do. And in Matthias's case, it's so cool. If you read the verse, it says, we must choose a replacement from Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with Jesus, from the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us. Matthias was one of those guys. Matthias served and walked with them when he wasn't one of the insiders. He served when nobody saw it, and God says it's spiritual even when no one cares. It's spiritual when nobody cares. God sees you when nobody cares. Right now, okay, Matthias was serving, and to know, to, and everybody else, it wasn't that spiritual. Why? Because his name, he's not there. We didn't see or know him until this moment. He's not in the Gospels. He's never mentioned. But he was in the crowd. He was there, serving, walking with, following. And, and God called that you being spiritual when nobody else did. Jesus, he's not there because of Peter and the apostles. He's there because Jesus. He said, I got you, Matthias. Would you keep it up? Keep walking with me. Keep following me. Stay faithful. Don't quit. Right now, Okay, I'm just going to throw a few examples at you. It's spiritual when you don't think it's spiritual. When we, when we close up shop on a Sunday and you start stacking chairs, or when you get here at 6.30 a.m. and you're, and you're sta- unstacking chairs, Randy, is Randy here? There he is, Randy. So many Sundays, Randy comes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag on you, Randy. He brings in a bag of sausage McMuffins for everybody on the setup team out of his own pocket. Yeah? And he starts just setting out chairs and doing everything he can. Now we can see that and be like, oh, that's a nice thing he does. Okay. Let's take it further. On the Sunday... That somebody on setup says, I don't want to be here, and I'm tired of this, and oh, when are we going to have a building, if ever, etc. And Randy hands him a sandwich, and just picks them up just a little bit. And Randy puts out the chairs, and here's what happens. We don't see it this way, because we see through natural eyes. But somebody comes and takes a seat where Randy set it up, 
and listens to the person playing who's just rejuvenated just a little bit from that sandwich. And that person's life is changed for eternity because that day they said yes to Jesus. Yes, take away this bondage. Take away this burden. Break my heart. And that person now spends eternity with Jesus, is forever changed, and maybe they start touching other lives, and they start telling their family and their friends, and they're forever changed because Randy showed up and said, here's a sandwich, and let me put this chair down. Somebody shows up on a Sunday and they says, I'm going to click through words today. And here's what happens. We can think, all I'm doing is hitting the space bar. All I'm doing is hitting the point and click. But for somebody else that Sunday, as they read the words, it pierces their soul and they realize God is for them and he's worthy of all my worship and I want you to take my heart and life and make me forever changed. You see, in God's eyes, it's not clicking a button or setting up a chair. In God's eyes, it is affecting eternity. For some of you are like, I got 10 bucks I'm going to put in the offering. It's all I got left. But what you don't know is God took that 10 bucks and went to the other side of a globe and helped somebody out of human sex trafficking in southern India and saved their souls and saved them from that. But for you, it was like, it's just my last 10 bucks. What's the big deal? Because just like Matthias, when you stay with Jesus, it's all spiritual. It's not just a moment in the pulpit or at the worship team or on a Sunday. It's all the things. It's CC going yesterday and say, I'll set up a table at the community event. It's saying, Michelle and Silvio say, I'll have a garage sale and we'll sell some stuff. Why? So Thrive can have a building? No, so God can have his people in a house to invite more people and effect more change to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why it's all spiritual. When we make a vote on who's going to be there, it's not, it's not on, based on business practices. It's based on biblical principles to see God's will be done. That's it. No more, no less. God, do what you want. So let me encourage you. If you are tired today, be like Matthias and say, it's all spiritual. He's going to do something. And here's the best truth about it. God sees you when no one else does. God is able to see you when no one else does. God sees Matthias when nobody saw Matthias. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John did not find him worthy of putting him in any one of the Gospels. You're just one of the crowd, Matthias. Not to Jesus, I'm not. Jesus sees me. I was singing this morning, I said to Heidi, it's an older worship song we've stopped singing years ago, not Thrive, but just the church in general. A song called He Knows My Name. Anybody remember that song? He knows my name. He knows my every thought. And he sees each tear that falls. And he hears me when I call. You know, we don't know Matthias' past. We don't know if he was a screw-up, a liar, an idiot. <laughs> we don't know. 
We just know that he just kept walking with Jesus. Doesn't mean he didn't have bad days. Doesn't mean he didn't fall. Doesn't mean there weren't days he was like, maybe I'm not going to go today. We don't know. But he stayed faithful. You need to understand something. Obscure faithfulness leads to public fruitfulness. God is more interested in those who are faithful than those who are talented. If you are faithful, God will give you talents. If you are talented, that doesn't make you faithful. Colin and I had a debate earlier this week. He was saying, we were talking about, uh, 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 he had more of the debate. I, I just got to disagree with him. But he's like, Bo Jackson is the best athlete of all time. And I'm like, he wasn't around long enough. To be the, he was a great athlete. But he got injured. Now, it's not his fault, okay? And he was saying that versus Michael Jordan. Well, the problem is Michael Jordan has six rings and Bo has zero. <laughs> it's a fair, it's a fair. He was an amazing athlete. Bo Jackson was amazing, okay? But MJ has the career and the shoes and the name. <laughs> uh, just watched that movie air last, last past week. It was pretty good. Um, but the truth is, just that faithful consistency. Interesting story about Michael Jordan. If you don't remember, or if you're too young to know, and he is the best player of basketball of all time, there is no question. Don't talk to me about LeBron. You might need to find another church. Um, okay. Uh, but MJ, you know, was it eight years? Eight? Eight to ten years? We was with the team. Eight years, I think, before they ever saw a championship. But he stayed faithful in this game. Now, that's the thing. Basketball is a fun game to watch, and we enjoy it. But that's just a game. This is forever. And if all you are is faithful with the little God gave you to the very end, man, you have no idea what the other side of glory is going to be like when he says, well done. You have no clue what the crowds of heaven will say. And the prizes that will be before you. And the treasures. And the eternal reward. Oh man. What a day that will be. A pastor friend. Actually Pastor Jim. You guys know him. He said something real. And he'll be back here at the end of June too. If, you're, if you liked him. He said something good to me. He said, I think we're in a season now where you can go farther, you can go deeper with the few than you can go wider with the many. And I think he's right. It's a time of discipleship and digging in and being changed. God, do in me what you want. And if I'm in obscurity, it's fine as long as you see me. As long as I know you see me. And Matthias was that guy. But here's the thing. If you refuse to see yourself the way God does, you won't see others the way God does. Change your perspective about you and that God sees you. He sees your pain. He sees your struggle. He sees that you are sitting here today when everything in you doesn't want to. For any number of reasons, he sees you. He knows your name. He saw Matthias. 
man, I, I, I remember being young in ministry. <laughs> My first ministry job, it was like clean up the vomit for the daycare and clean the toilets. When do I get to prepare my sermon? And I quote, prepare your sermons for youth group on your own time. Not right. Probably not smart. I don't get it. That mentality doesn't, doesn't register with me. But that's what I did. I go to a small town called Amory, Wisconsin. Yeah, you've never heard of it? Neither has anyone else. <laughs> and, and there, I built a horrible website that they thought was amazing <laughs> because they didn't have a website. <laughs> it's gone now. It was up till like a year ago. <laughs> had that old flash, you know, I had like a stick man walking. <laughs> It was terrible because I didn't know how to design websites, and I still don't. Ask any of our media guys. They'll tell you. <laughs> I'm, it's not my thing, okay? But you're faithful in obscur obscurity, and here's the thing. God blew up in that church. We saw like a revival in our youth. Kids got saved every week because God saw us. God sees where you are. If you're in your job and you're like, I've been passed over seven times. Here's what I would tell you. No matter where you are, what, he, what you're doing, he sees you. And it's a big deal to the Lord. How many of you remember, if you have kids, the first time your kid like, did something good on their own to somebody else? And you saw it. It was a big deal. It was like, oh, oh they're not going to go to hell. You know, like, oh, they're, they're, they're nice. They're getting it. Oh, hallelujah. You know? Because it takes a bit, you know? Toddlers are selfish as a rule. It takes a while. And then it's up and down. It's a roller coaster. But it's like, Infinitely more, how does God feel about you as you just serve and do the right things in the right places? A burglar in the neighborhood watching for homes left unguarded. For people going on vacation, breaks into one as they go on vacation. He watches a family loads their suitcases into their car and leaves. He waits until dark. He approaches the front door and rang the bell. There's no answer. Burglar neatly picks the locks and lets himself in. He calls into the darkness, is anybody home? And he's stunned when he hears a voice say, I see you and Jesus sees you. Terrified, the burglar calls out, who's there? Again, a voice comes back, I see you and Jesus sees you. Burglar switched on his flashlight and named it in the direction of the voice. And he is instantly relieved when he sees a parrot. And, beneath, and he laughs out loud. And the parrot says, I see you and Jesus sees you. The burglar laughs again and he switches on the lights. And then beneath the cage he sees a parrot. Beneath the parrot he sees a Doberman Pinscher. And the parrot says, attack, Jesus, attack. 
I don't know who names their Doberman Jesus, but... (laughs) Anywhere and everywhere you don't see God is on the move. You can always have hope. You can always be encouraged. You can even tell yourself to be. The Bible's full of it. The story of Matthias, the last thing. God can promote you when no one will. He can pick you up when you can't pick yourself up. He can raise you up when you can't. So you think, there's no way I'm getting out of this pit. Well, not without faith. Now, here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. I am not a believer in the size of your faith being the measurement of how God moves. I am a believer that the object of your faith is how God moves. It's not how big is your faith, it's who is your faith in. It's how big is he who your faith is in. Jesus said, you have faith the size of a mustard seed. You ever seen them? They're small. Can move a mountain. Some of you are stuck in a job and like, I just can't get anywhere, Lord. I'm stuck. And I'm not talking about a selfish prosperity gospel, but you need to understand something. Even the prosperity gospel has some truth in it. If you, how many of you want your kids to prosper? Any of your kids are like, no, I want them to suffer for my namesake. You're a psycho. (laughs) Jesus doesn't feel that way either. Now, he is not looking to monetarily bless you for the sake of just having stuff. He's not into that. Just like you and I are not into us giving our kids cake and candy all the time in order to make them smile because we know that's not good for them. But do we want to give good gifts to our children and see them prosper? You bet. You ought to make an income that says I can just pay for all my kids' colleges. I wish I did. But do I want them to go wherever they want to go and God be behind them and with them and them serve him fully with everything I got. So much. Some of you, I'm telling you, there's somebody or a couple people here today, you're like, job-wise, I am stuck. And the Lord's saying, lean into me. Stop leaning into impressing your boss. Still work hard. Give it all you got. Stop leaning into this and that. Lean into the Lord. James 4.10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. And here's the thing that I learned over and over from my brother Joe, and it was true. I found it true, and it's made this verse true in my life. Every time I think God's about to promote me, it looks like a demotion until he takes me somewhere. Some of you, you're like, ah, oh, Leaving this to start that thing, that's going to be, trust him. Take a step of faith. God is good. He can promote you. He can take you higher than you ever thought possible. He can take you further than you ever thought you could go. He can do more than you ever could. Some of you are like, I, we only had one. I couldn't have more than one kid. 
then God will do more with your one than he would have done with your 20, okay? Trust him. How could God take my wreckage like this? Do you not read the Bible? That is what he does. Give him your mess. Give him your nothing. Give him your brokenness and watch him raise you up and change you and shake the world through you. He is good. When we're not, he's good. When we can't promote ourselves, he will take you higher. prompted to share this story. I'm going to close here in just a minute. When we originally moved down here, we went. We were supposed to work at a church. God never told me to move. He just, the heavens to me were brass at that time in my life. I couldn't hear from the Lord. Our son had died two or three years before. I, uh, I fell out of major favor with our leadership at our church. And I didn't know where to go or what to do. And we got called down to work at a church here. And from the day one, we were just lied to about a lot of things. They, they literally kicked a pregnant woman out of her office to put us in an office. I was like, this can't be good. I was at that job six months. After three months, they gave me notice. And I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I am burned. I am hurt. I am angry. I am lost. And I'm not even hearing from you. My family, we were living with my parents in a three-bedroom townhome. Four kids four adults all living in a three bedroom townhome and I'm like God I'm lost what do I do where do I go the fellowships I've been a part of basically left me hanging high and dry and I was like God now what and I get a message a Facebook message from a guy I, I, I kind of knew growing up it says hey I'm at this church we're looking for a worship leader I, this, this is awful but this is literally what I thought. Worship leader? I can do better than that, can't I? <laughs> because worship leading was something I did with all the other things I did for a lot of years. I know it's arrogant and prideful, but you got to remember, I was not in a good place. And I just felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit saying, check this out. Go. And I'm like, God, I, I think I'm supposed to plant a church at some point, but I am too beat up, devastated, and hurt to, to think about that. And the Lord says, go, check this out. And I went. I remember going to the board meeting. And sitting with the board, I'm like, uh, I think in a few years I'm going to plant a church, just so you know, before you hire me. We left the meeting. My wife was like, they are never hiring you. She's <laughs> like, I can't lie. I just, that's not me. They called. They said in the meeting, they're like, we've done that many times. It's fine with us. And they brought me on. And I was like, all right. It's kind of neat because I got to be like a David in the fields just worshiping the Lord for a while. My heart just began to heal from all the crap 
ministry takes its toll at times, you know. Some of you know, ministry hurts sometimes. Sheep bite. <laughs> you know. I'm almost done. And after two or three months there, the pastor calls me in. He says, hey, I'm not going to district council. You want my ticket? I was like, sure. What's a district council? I don't know what this is. And it's the, our fellowship that we're a part of. It's their gathering once a year. It starts actually uh, tonight and tomorrow. But I went, I, and he hands me the brochure. And it says, how to plant a church in Illinois with the Assemblies of God. And I had been looking, praying. I had had offers, and everyone felt wrong. A church planting organization. And one day, out of obscurity, nowhere with nobody who knows me or where I am no backing of ministry the Lord says I see you I got you some of you are like I'm so alone I'm so lost the Lord sees you don't give up because God's about to do something don't run because God's about to get you up don't leave because God's about to walk in the room don't go away because God's presence is about to fall. Don't quit because God's about to raise you up. It gets. You need to be encouraged. Church, be encouraged. God is on the move. God is moving. He is not done. If you're not dead, he's not done with you. If, if, if he hasn't come back, our mission's not over. If you're sick, God isn't done. He can heal. He can extend your life. Awful people have lived to 100. Why not you? God is good. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. So long.